Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast, presented by Ingles, the official supermarket of Gramlick and McLean. I'm going to let the people in on a little secret here. We're talking Virginia Tech today and Virginia on Wednesday. We recorded these about the same time with our guy, Mike Barber, and Mac <laughs> is trying to fool you by switching shirts. Hey, don't let those people know care. that. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just, well, I'm not lying to the people. And to be honest, Mac, this sweater is so comfortable that I I might just wear it for the rest of the episode. No matter what, Why would you change? I understand that. We are joined by our great friend today, Mike Barber. I joked with him here in a second about how I've spoken to him on every platform but this one. So it's finally time we got him on here. Very grateful for his time and his thoughts on all things Virginia Tech today. Uh, this is a team KG. I'm jacked up about. I'm excited to oh, talk yeah. about. Excited to see the things that they're going to do. And I think Mike's with me on that train. And there's a lot of what if and excitement of what I think the Hokies can do. It's a fast start and look out, you know, who knows what these guys can do. Quick message from our friends over at Ingalls. And then we're talking all things Hokies. Let's go. Did you know that Ingalls sells more organics than any other store or that they run their own dairy or that they only serve USDA choice and prime meat? Did you know that they have more local craft beer than any place else or that they have energy smart stores or that they professionally slice and package imported cheese from Europe? Did you know about their giant international aisle, local farm partnerships, curbside pickup, wine department, or that they donate 3,956 meals a day to local food banks? Well, now you do. It's all in the bag. Ingles, low prices, love the savings. Mike Barber, my man, welcome to the podcast. I talked to you on ACC PM. I've talked to you on Sirius XM Radio. Now, finally, we get you here on the podcast. I get to see you and, and appreciate you joining us uh, today to talk about the Hokies. Yeah, I, I know. I've always told, been told I've got the face for radio, so I don't know if this no, is the no, no, no. I don't know if this is the right venue for me. But let's do it. <laughs> no, man, that, that, that's the joke I, I used to make back in the day, and then they're like, "Oh, we'll put you on TV." I was like, well, "I guess I can't say that yeah. anymore. It hurts myself." But uh, appreciate you joining us, man, because this this is a team in Virginia Tech. Uh, it, it's so funny. I text Eddie Royal, you know, once a, a week it feels like, and like, dude, calm me down, because I'm really excited about what this team can can be next year. Uh, but a lot of that stemmed from, you know, kind of what we saw and and specifically how they kind of, you know, middle to the end of the season. What did you see from the Hokies that maybe you're on a similar train as I am? Yeah, I 100% am on the same path with you. I think they're really going in the right direction. And, you know, it's funny because that's not the way the year started. Yeah. It started really discouraging and not just losing, right? They were one and three, but there wasn't much that you watched in those games that you thought, okay, you can build on this. That's what coaches always try to sell you, right? Like, Oh, we lost, but we'll build on this. And there wasn't a whole lot there. And, and then, you know, I, I think two big things happened. Number one, I thought the coaching staff did a, a phenomenal job of adjusting kind of on the fly. And then they lucked into the biggest move of the year, right? And I hate to say it that way, but Grant Wells got hurt. He was their starter. That was the guy. They went to Kyron Drones, and he transformed everything for them, right? The way he was able to run the football, uh, that really gave them – um, the the footing on which to build the rest of their run game with Bashal Tootin, their deep throw game. So kind of the opposite of how common sense football works. You you run the ball between the tackles, it sets up everything else. They kind of went a little different, but they ended up getting to the right point. 
Mike, why didn't they get there to start the year? I mean, I know Kyron Jones was a transfer and Grant Wells had been there. He'd been the guy, but it's not like he'd had a great year previously. So what was your read on that situation? Why it took maybe a little luck to get to Kyron Jones? Yeah, and it's hard, right? Because it's all moving pieces, but they really went into the year believing the offensive line was going to be better on day one. And with that in mind, Grant Wells made a lot of sense. Um, you know, he was a guy you could protect in the pocket. They were going to run the ball between the tackles. And then they got out there and that offensive line, which, you know, we'll get to eventually came around. They weren't very good out of the gate and it really messed up the whole plan. And, and that's kind of where I say they lucked into. I don't know that they were finding their way out of that mess until they went to drones and then they things opened up and then the offensive line got a little confidence and then they really got rolling. And, and we saw it, you know, certainly where where it ended, you know, in the bowl game and how well they ran the ball. But um, that was the thing, was that offensive line that they counted on being better. It wasn't better day one. It was better, you know, a month and a half in. Yeah, and, and you know, honestly, you talk about the the lucking up into and, and the adjustments by the coaching staff. It seemed like a simplification of the offense. Like, let's dial this thing down and, and just let our guys play. You know, let, let's stop with – I don't know if it was verbiage. I love your insight here. Was it – motions or for, like what what was the simplification of let's just play football and use these pieces that we have I think it was just a scaling down of the play sheet on Saturday right what what they were asking them to execute on game day and again you know drones running kind of open things up and, and when you've got a quarterback who can do that you can have less play calls on the sheet and it still looks like you're doing more different things um, you're not right. You're, you're you're running the same stuff, but he's turning plays into something. And uh, there was a good mix of that. You know, the other thing was I thought his ability to throw the deep ball really right away. I mean, he threw maybe his best deep ball of the year. It was an incompletion to Daquan Felton against Rutgers. Daquan dropped that one, but it was a I mean a hang it in the art museum kind of throw. It was that good. And I think you put that on film, and defensive coordinators said, okay. Now we've got to hang back a little. This kid can, can let it rip downfield. Um, and I think all of those things allowed them to be a little simpler in, in what they were calling, how much they were calling, because they could mix things up in terms of maybe when they were calling it a little bit. We've talked a lot about this offense, and we know how much Kyron Drones and, and these guys transformed it. But the defense, I thought, was very solid throughout. Also made plays, forced turnovers, wreaked havoc on the defensive line. What did you expect going into the year, Mike? Because we know Brent Pry is a defensive guy. I mean, he's been a defensive coordinator for a very long time of some great defenses. I think we all expected to take a step. But is this what you thought the defense would do in year two? They were better than, than I thought they were going to be. And you're right, Kelly. I thought they were going to be better, but not as good as they were. The difference was APR. Yeah. Um, the, the pass rush that they were able to get off the edge from, from that guy um, after transferring from Florida. And we went into the year and we said, hey, look, if you have some pass rush off the edge, this defense can be pretty good. But I looked at the pieces and said, I don't know if it's going to be there. And really, that was one of the things right from day one that showed up. And uh, their ability to, to disrupt opponents behind the line of scrimmage, tackles for loss, sacks, quarterback hurries, that really transformed it. And, you know, you guys are going to laugh, but it transformed it back into what we always knew under Bud Foster, right? And, and you know, the thing with Bud's great defenses was, Every year, they either got a ton of sacks or a ton of interceptions because people were scared of the sacks and threw the ball into stupid places, or people were, you know, worried about the coverage and they held it too long. And they and it, it got back to that feel this year. I thought, um, you know, interestingly, guys, with Chris Marv 
calling the plays. Brent Pry called the plays for most of year one. I think that was the right move in terms of transitioning the program, but he also knew he had to step away. He had some clock management issues, some other game day things that weren't as sharp. I thought Chris Marv did an excellent job calling this defense, and, and it really looked good this year. I, I totally agree with you. And just kind of seeing those guys step up, those pieces step up on the defense. And, you know, you had a handful of different guys show up in different games. You know, I, I thought it was really fun to, you know, obviously APR w- was the headliner, but other guys at different times really made an impact. And, and I mean, you're talking about game-winning plays for this defense. And the last piece there with Coach Marv, I mean, we saw him grow up. I mean, we, we saw him change and progress and get better and better. Was that just a comfort thing? Was that just a, a natural as the season goes on? What, when did you kind of notice, man, there's there's a little bit of a flip that has been switched here from just a calling and comfortability standpoint? I, I thought it was after that that rough kind of start to, to things because you know the defense hung in there in some of those losses. And um, I, I thought there was, you could tell he was getting a good feel. And um, I don't mean this as a criticism. It, it takes a little time. Right, it took a little time for the offensive staff to realize, hey, this line isn't where we we think it is. It took a little time for that defensive staff to realize, hey, we really do have a true pass rush. We don't need to be too exotic in our blitz packages. We don't need to bring too much heat. We've got guys who we line up with four down, and they can go get it. Um, so I think it just took a few games to maybe for the players to win over the staff, and then when that happened, it really freed Chris up to call the game. I think the way that worked for this team. We know, we've talked about kind of the beginning of the year, and it was very up and down, but Virginia Tech put itself in a position to beat Virginia, which they they tend to do. Uh, Virginia Tech fans always loved it to talk about that. But to me, the bowl game was really impressive. The military bowl against Tulane, a team that had won 11 games, was coming in, I know, without their head coach, had moved on, but still a very good team. Rain, torrential downpour, so the numbers don't say too much from a passing standpoint, but Virginia Tech ran all over them. I feel like it gave us some hype, and we'll we'll talk about the hype, Mike. But did they do what you expected in the Tulane game? And and what are you what did you learn about this final form, final game for Virginia Tech in twenty three? Yeah, so I'm I'm a big I don't know, curmudgeon of the bowl games don't mean anything because guys are opting out, and, and this is the exception. Yeah, this is yeah. what I put the big asterisks on. One going into the game because the fact that all those guys wanted to play. Like one, yeah, you didn't have the opt-outs. That's huge. You didn't have guys just rushing to the portal. But guys at Virginia Tech wanted to play this bowl game. It felt the way bowl games are supposed to feel, where it's your reward because they got off to a horrible start. They got their act together. They started to play good football. They really viewed it as, one, a reward for what they had done, and two, a springboard to the next season. And you don't care about a springboard if you don't care about the next season. So the fact that they were that invested in the bowl game tells me, hey, there's a lot of buy-in for people to believe, and we saw it because they're all coming back. Um, so I thought that was huge. And then the second thing was, you know, I had knocked Coach Pry a few times in the first season that I thought the team didn't play with identity, the identity he wants. And that's easy for me to say, you know, maybe he wanted to see that identity and just couldn't get it there. But in the bowl game, you saw them control the line of scrimmage, run the ball with power, and play dominating and physical defense. Again, it goes back to Frank Beamer, Bud Foster, that's what Brent Pry wants to be. And I thought in the bowl game, from the effort and the buy-in that was huge and the fact that they played with that identity, it wasn't just you know, go out and, in a celebration kind of game and find a way to win. They really played what they want Virginia Tech football to look like. Yeah, no, and, and that's what 
was so impressive. I'm going to let KG ask you about Hokie Nation because every time we go there, that place is just insane. But quickly, what you just said there was was very interesting of guys opted in. Guys wanted to play. And, and what else they did is they're coming back. I mean, you got Ollie Jennings, Felton, Lane, uh, Gosnell, obviously you know, your quarterback and all these different guys, APR, uh, that decided, hey, I think we can do something special together. What does that say about what Coach has done and just really Virginia Tech as a program? Yeah, I think it's huge because nobody knows better where you're headed than the players, right? So there's plenty of kids who leave for whatever reason. You know, UVA basketball had a transfer. He wanted to be closer to his girlfriend. Everybody's got there. But when you have the group stay and the group come back, that tells you that as a group, they think this program's going in the right direction. You're going to have people kind of peel off if you think, hey, this thing isn't good. Maybe I'd rather be a bench player on a good team. You're going to have guys peel off who say, hey, maybe I could be a star somewhere else. But when you have everybody from every angle saying, I want to come back, that tells you they think they can personally excel and that they believe in in the direction of of Brent Pry. I think that's huge, and I think it's what the bowl game showed. I think it gives them momentum going into spring. Guys, it's been huge recruiting Mm -hmm. because when you go and, and host a recruit now, you can say, hey, everyone wants to be here. And that's a really good thing for recruits to hear. And it's rare in this day and age. I think that stands out to a recruit because generally you have more guys move on than the whole narrative of people coming back. And Mike, you're a guy who's who you know covers these games, attends these games. You've had your pulse on the program. Last year was interesting to me because it was Brent Price first year. Things it was we all knew it was a rebuild. Like we got that. But even though Hokie Nation kept showing up, which they always do. I, I wasn't sure about the buy-in for him last year. How? Because it feels like it's there this year. So did you see it change? Like, was there maybe a moment? Or is it just Hokie Nation kept showing up and he finally started winning? It's a little of both, right? I think that, that the uh, buy-in's a funny word here because they bought their tickets either way. <laughs> and they're, True. They're great, they're great about that at Virginia Tech. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Jersey guy. I grew up going to Yankee games. And even when the Yankees stunk or the Rangers stunk or the Knicks stunk they'd sell out and we'd go and boo because we wanted to so tech fans have that you know they're going to show up um i thought the buy-in in year one was very wait and see and i think that's fair mm-hmm. right um they weren't good in the first year under brent pry but i didn't think they were going to be good i didn't think they had a good roster they had no skill players man like they had nobody who could go make a play for you and so i thought when the year ended people thought Ugh, gross year bad record all of those things but also that's not necessarily Brent Price's fault. He probably guided them to the record they should have finished with. Uh, I thought this year there was some anxiety with the bad start. And then, you know, they showed up at home. They sold out all those games. The atmosphere was unreal. And you could tell there was this desire for it to be right. And as soon as they started showing glimpses, I thought the fans got back to being rabid. They were like, okay, you're showing us what we want. Not just winning, not just winning at home but playing that old-style defense, running the football, being Virginia Tech. The fans have been wanting that for so long, and when they showed them just a, a, a little blood in the water there, I mean, that fan base was, was fantastic all year. <laughs> and I've, I've just got to give, again, Hokie Nation so much love, man, because we, we've been there in some of the hard times. We've been there when you know it, it's not all glitz and glam and, and the team is unfortunately you know not playing their best, and they're still packed. We've been there when they've, one and it's just insane. I can't take myself to the place of being there in person for a top twenty-five 
you know, Virginia Tech team. And I think that's what we're going to get this year. I truly do. Because I'm looking at this schedule and the way we see it right now with Vanderbilt first, Marshall, Old Dominion, Rutgers. Come on. Like, let, let's let's really talk about it. I mean, I think there's a real chance here for these guys to make some noise just with everything coming back to you, Mike. I mean, favorable schedule with kind of how that Clemson's coming to town. I mean, you've got some really fun things that are happening. Yeah, I think it's going to be outstanding. I think this is a team opposite of this year. This is a team that should start off strong. Everybody's coming back. You're not finding yourself. You're not trying to figure out. Obviously, there's adjustments. Things are going to change year to year. But wholesale, you know what this team is. They bring in back everybody on offense. They bring in back a ton on defense. And guys, they went out and plugged a lot of holes defensively in the transfer portal. So, I mean, it just feels like you want to be able to hit the ground running. Um, what we were just talking about with, with the bowl game, that performance should carry over because the guys who made that performance are, are coming back. And I like the way the schedule steps up. I, I think you've got a chance to start strong, build some momentum, and then we'll see. There's going to be opportunities to prove yourself. You mentioned Clemson. There, there's games out there that you're going to be able to say, I think Virginia Tech's really good. Let's see. And 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 that's going to be exciting. And, and when those happen at Lane Stadium, especially when they happen at night, I mean, it is it is electric. It really is. It is. And can't wait to see those. And I think this is a benefit for Virginia Tech. We just talked about Georgia Tech with Roddy Jones, and they have some momentum as well, as does Virginia Tech. But they open with Florida State, right? Like they open. I know Florida State's lost some pieces, but I think Virginia Tech can build into their year. So this schedule is going to help. And with Kyron Jones in general, this is a guy who's probably going to be on some preseason All-ACC teams, get some hype, get some buzz. We know how good he was with his legs. What do you think he specifically, and I know he gets Ali Jennings back, that's going to help. What does he specifically need to do to take that next step at quarterback? It's the only negative Michael Vick comparison you'll probably ever hear. <laughs> I think he throws a little too much of a fastball on ah. some of the short and mid-range balls. Um, granted, just because I can't catch it doesn't mean you can't catch it. But I think there's some touch there in the mid-range in the short game uh, that he'll get better at. Uh, but his deep ball is amazing. I mean, his arm strength is there. The arm talent is there. He can make all of the throws. He's just got to be a little more consistent, a little more accurate. Having all of those receivers back and guys that he works with that knows, that's going to help, man, because, you know, we can talk, you know, you're calling a game or you're watching a game. He's, oh, you got to get that ball to the back shoulder. But where really is the back shoulder? Where is it physically located? And it's a little different with every guy and how they run every route. And I think the fact that, you know, Daquan Felton's back and Jalen Lane and Ollie Jennings, who you mentioned, didn't really get to play, got hurt. Um, I think all of those pieces with drones, with that experience, I think he's going to take another step in the throw game. And, and I think they're going to get closer to being a, a balanced, a really balanced offense with the fact that, of course, they always want to have the identity of, of run the football first. Sure. And, and when you have a guy like that, that is such a dual threat, that is more than confident running the football, especially that power and, and some draw game that they have in there. Look out. I mean, that, that's a great centerpiece. Um, I, I love what you said there about, you know, just finding that touch and understanding, you know, you can throw the ball differently in different places. I think that comes with just growth as a starter. I mean, we, we were watching a guy that, you know, it was the first time it was his show. And, and you know, to see the confidence grow and grow and develop, uh, the, I think those are all natural, easy things uh, that, that with a little bit of, you know, here and there practice in the offseason, you get dialed in, man. I've said this for for a while now. But he reminds me a lot of Taj Boyd, the way he runs the ball, the way he throws the deep ball. Uh, that's exciting. And if he can get the passing to where Taj was, look out. I mean, Virginia Tech is really 
going to make some noise here. Let's kind of wrap up here with, with this, man, because we are so excited about the future. There's a lot of pieces coming back. The schedule is favorable in, in parts. What do the Hokies need to do? If there's three things that you say, okay, if they accomplish this, this, and that, who knows what can do? Are we talking about Charlotte? Are we talking about a 12-team playoff potentially? What are those things at the top of your mind? Yeah, what a great year for the playoffs to expand if you're a Virginia Tech fan, because I think that's a, a very realistic goal. I don't know if they get there, but it's certainly something that's going to be on the table and, and whip those fans even to more of a, a frenzy. You know, I, I think they've got some great young pieces at linebacker, which you have to have in this day and age of college football. You have to have the guy who can go sideline to sideline, uh, who can shadow the quarterbacks who are mobile. That development has to continue. And I'm thinking about Kelly Lawson in particular, um, you know, Jade McDonald. They've got some really good young pieces there in the middle. Um, I, that needs to come along. They need to get off to the good start. You know, it, it's not it's not up to the three of us to say that the, the schedule is favorable. They're, they got to go out and win those games. And um, I think they're very winnable. I think they're right there, everything we just talked about. But I think they need that this year to have the kind of season we're talking about. If you come out of the gate and you kind of pussyfoot around and you have a misstep or two, it's going to take you out of the conversation for these big goals. I still think they'd be good, but they really need to come out of the gate hard. So have drones develop in the pass game, get that athleticism on the field in the right spot at the inside linebacker positions and live up to the potential early on, come right out of the gate and win games. Yeah, I, I love that, man. I actually lied. I have one more for you. Can you imagine a home playoff game at Lane Stadium. My gosh, dude. Come on. Come on. <laughs> the best part of the expanded playoffs is the fact that we're going to get those on campus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I understand why it can't happen in the next round. I get all the business, but that is going to be electric. I hate the fact that some of the top programs aren't going to get that because of right, the buy. Right, right, I know right. they'd rather have the open date, but um, no, a playoff game in Blacksburg at Lane Stadium, man, it would that would be something. Um, and we've seen some amazing, amazing atmospheres but I think that would be off the charts. I agree, man. I agree. Well, that was a lot of fun. We appreciate you, man. Thank you for joining us and talking a little Hokies today. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that is it for the Hokies. Again, big shout out to Mike Barber. He's not going anywhere. We're going to see him again on Wednesday. We're talking all things UVA. I'm excited about this team, y'all. I really am. I think the pieces are right there. The stars are aligning. Look out for the Hokies this coming season. I think that they're that close, especially when you have a quarterback as dynamic as Kyron Drones coming back, all those pieces at wide receiver, and that defense led by APR and a couple other guys that I think can take a step next season. Gets me excited, y'all. I'm not saying playoff, but I'm just saying a playoff game in Lane Stadium. Come on. We appreciate you guys joining us. We need your help. Come on over to YouTube. Subscribe. Jump in the comments. It's fun to see people going back and forth and love you guys. Uh, always giving us some, some great appreciation and some love there. So jump on over. Hop on this train with us. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe there as well. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.